The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series right now titled The Magic of Thinking Big, which is based upon a book of the same title by David J. Schwartz. This is a self-help classic and my request to everyone who is following along with my series when I teach books chapter by chapter is to actually get the book and study for yourself because what I'm going to do and what I've been doing every time I teach a series is pull out some principles from the chapters pull out some techniques pull out some ideas and insights based upon my understanding and teach them to you now I'm not teaching every point in the book, every point in the chapter, and that's why I like people to get the book. And as you sit and contemplate, read, and pray, the Spirit of God in you will reveal to you what you need to know, what is important to you. So what's important to me and what stands out to me might not be what stands out to you. What I want to do is be a bridge to your transformation. I want to be a help to your breakthroughs. I want to help you get your blessings. But to do all of those things, that means you have to do your part in the work. So I am asking that everybody actually get the book. I don't get any money from promoting these books. Trust me. Only thing I'm trying to do is help you get your breakthroughs. I want to help you get ahead because I'm dedicated to you living a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. Now, Today's chapter is make your attitudes your allies. Make your attitudes your allies. And it starts on page 166 in my book. And the book starts off at the bottom of the page by saying, how we think shows through in how we act. Attitudes are mirrors of the mind. They reflect thinking. I'm going to read that again. How we think shows through 
in how we act. Attitudes are mirrors of the mind. They reflect thinking. Now, this has a lot to do with dis, uh, with, with, with the disposition of people, with the body language and, and how they use words and the tone, not just what they're thinking and feeling in their own minds, but how it shows up in expression, the way we engage even physically matters. It really does. And, you know, one of the things that you can do for yourself is look up non-verbal communication. Non-verbal communication. Just Google it and you'll see that a majority, the overwhelming majority of communication is nonverbal. Facial expressions, body language, uh, tone, how people shake hands, how people hug, how people, you know, energetically it just comes across differently. So what actually comes out of our mouths is one thing. What actually, the tone of what comes out of our mouths, the energy behind it, the, you know, is it, it, you know, it, we know one way or another, even when something is said one way, sometimes it's not what's said, it's how it's said. It's not how, it's not that you're with me, it's how you're with me, with your body language, will speak volumes, absolute volumes. And I think that's important to acknowledge and recognize that your attitude is showing, your perspective is, is showing, the rolling of the eyes, the subtle ways in which, you know, we move to let people know we're with them or, with the, or that we're detached, that we're angry or we're frustrated or that we don't care or we're all in. All of those things show, you know, I, you know, I, I can go back and I remember seeing a video where uh, a young man is playing on a basketball team and he's really tall and uh, a much smaller teammate walks up and he pushes his chin up. And I was like, okay, that's a teammate. In other words, don't let these people see you get down. Don't let a couple of bad games or bad shots or whatever get you down. We need you. Lift up. No, no, we can't have this on the team. Lift, lift that head up. That young man who was probably a guard because the other guy was big like a center was a good leader. Because he understood that when the attitude changes, when the body language changes, it's indicative, it's reflective of our mindset. And if your mindset is off and your body language's expression is, is off, remember, I always teach that what you radiate, you attract. That we're energetic beings and we radiate thought energy, where we think, where we feel, our consciousness goes out before us, and it draws back to us that which is consistent with what we are radiating. So we have to be very careful that we're not radiating something that is inconsistent with what we say we desire in life. Now, moving on. So the author actually goes on and gives some examples about um the sound in which people talk, how they talk. He uses examples of secretaries and, and actors and things of that nature. And it's important to recognize that 
one of the ways in which we can automatically shift our minds to thinking big is paying attention to how we're using body language. How we're using body language. This is why in the in the uh, Complaint Free World Challenge by Will Bowen, I taught that book some years ago, ago if you go back through the archives on unityonlineradio.org, uh, on my page on unityonline.org, or go back through it through the podcast, you'll see I did a, a session called A Complaint Free World. And the reason why I think it's so effective is you have to go 21 days without the complaining and the throwing the shade and all the other stuff. Or you have to, you know, you have to go 21 days without removing the wristband from one wrist to another. I think one of the reasons why it works so well is you're not trying to catch the thought initially. You're trying to catch the words from coming out of your mouth. And then it's a physical action that actually you have to do when you slip up. Because now it's making you pay attention to your attitude. Because what we what comes out of our mouths is reflective of what's in our minds. How we handle body language is reflective of what comes out of what's going on in our minds. So what I'm trying to emphasize to you is if you pay attention to your language, how you're saying things, not just what you're saying, but how you're saying it. If you're paying attention to your body language, if you become more self-aware, you can literally shift how you think because now you've now you've put it under a spotlight. Now you're paying attention to it, and now you can change and transform it. I'm a big believer that most people are uh, at various levels of self-awareness. In other words, they don't realize when their uh, body, bad body language habits pop up uh, or how the, the tone of their voice shows up as showing or reflecting being defeated, frustrated, angry, or whatever. They don't pay attention to the subtle body movements or the eye rolls or the disconnection. The more we pay attention to it, the more we can master it. And sometimes when you're in the space with somebody, you can have all of the qualifications. Your You can have the resume, the education, the experience, the skill set, the know-how, and your body language can turn somebody off. Energetically, like, mm, this person's not right. I don't know why. I'm looking at this resume and they seem perfect, but something about them just isn't right. And sometimes we'll say it's other things. And sometimes it is other things because people have biases. It could be sexism, racism, or whatever. I get all of that. But I don't want to discount that we are energetic beings. And what we radiate, we attract. All right, moving on. This is a lot of chapter. So page 167, we read attitudes through expressions and voice, tones, and inflections. And he said, and then he gives a reason why, and I think this is brilliant. He said, here's why. In the long, long history of humankind, a speaking language even remotely resembling what we use today is a very recent invention. So recent, you might say, in the terms of a great clock of time that we developed a language only this morning. 
For millions and millions of years, people got by with little more than moans and groans and grunts and growls. So in other words, we learned how to communicate with language, but originally we had to communicate with body language and, and grunts and groans and facial expressions. And if you go back and you look at children before they learn how to talk, that's how they communicate. Their body language lets you know if they're happy or if they're sad, if they need to be changed, if they're angry, if they're hungry. Their body language, they cry, they, you know, or, they ha- or they're happy, they reach out, whatever it is, that's very natural. And as we used to, we learn to use language, sometimes we think that we are no longer using body language to communicate. But the majority of our communication is still body language. All right, moving on. So how do we work with these attitudes? So he gives three points on page 168. Grow these three attitudes. Make them your allies in everything you do. Number one, grow the attitude of I'm activated. Number two, grow the attitude of you are important. Number three, grow the attitude of service first. And he gives a great example of a college professor who was teaching history and it was boring and people were falling asleep on him. and He was getting upset about it because he failed to do the number one, grow the attitude of I'm activated. So it says on the bottom of page 168, to activate others, you must first activate yourself. To activate others, you must first activate yourself. People know when you're going through the motions. And people know when you're enthusiastic and ready to rumble. You have to activate yourself. Now, I get that when you are functioning at an activated level, sometimes that also might upset the apple cart. Don't let that bother you. Sidney Poitier said, uh, or, or once wrote, that when two people are taking a walk, something unconscious always happens. Either you speed up to match the pace of the other person, or they slow down to match yours. Which is going to be? Are you going to slow down to match the pace of everybody around you, or are you going to keep walking fast, and those who can walk with you will walk with you? Because eventually you will regret, in my opinion, walking slow once you realize that you have not done the things you wanted to do because you were lockstep with your culture, with your crowd, with the expectations of your community, or you bought in to what other people told you it was possible or not possible for you. For whatever the reason. I just want you to be present to, are you, you know, people either got, you know, and I'm not saying leave people and never deal with them and all that, because people hear that and they automatically go to that conclusion. All I'm saying is walk your pace. You can still love people who walk slower. Just don't make them slow you down. That's the difference. That's the difference. You can still love family and friends, but don't slow down. And when it's stuff that needs to be done, yes, it's okay to be enthusiastic and fired up and things of that nature. One of the things that happens with with manhood many times is, unless it's sports, 
we're not, you know, sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to be excited about stuff. And we got to be mindful of that. You know, it, you know, it, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to talk out of terms, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's my cultural reflection in the, in the black community, black men have always been portrayed as cool. You know, you go into the movies, you know, the shaft and the, you know, the, other black exploitation movies, and then you go up through the, you know, the Denzel Washingtons of the world. Even when uh, Barack Obama was the president, it was like, okay, he's the cool president. And okay, it's good being cool, but don't let being cool stop you from your blessing because feeling is the blessing. If you can't get excited, it's hard to get other people excited about what you do. What are you all in for right now? Emotionally, with your attitude, with your disposition, in a way that it shows. You know, I'll be the first to admit, when it, when I start teaching new thought, when I start teaching self-help, self-help material, when I start teaching what I call hardcore metaphysics, I get fired up. So when a person sees me, especially in person, uh, while I'm standing, I can't stand in one place and I'm expressive and my arms are moving and I'm pushing the energy out because I'm all in on it. How am I going to give, how, why should you be fired up about something that doesn't fire me up? So there's a time to be contemplative, reflective, and, you know, and, you know, super holy, I guess. But for me, and how I get down, I'm expressive. I'm expressive. I'm loud with it. I'm I'm confrontational with metaphysics. Because it's a part of me. And when something is a part of you, it should show up as a level of enthusiasm. So the author goes on to say, page 169, To activate others, to get them to be enthusiastic, you must first be enthusiastic yourself. Over the years, I've tested this principle in hundreds of different situations. It always holds true. A man who lacks enthusiasm never develops it in another. But a person who is enthusiastic soon has enthusiastic followers. Again, Does it fire you up? Does it get you excited? Are you all in? You're trying to get somebody to commit to something in a way that you're not committed to it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. All in. All in. It shows up in your body language when you're not all in. Have you ever been around a couple well, you can just tell, like, why are they why are they together? Energetically, they're together. I mean, they're not together. Physically, they're together. Energetically, not, they're not together. They can be married for 25 years, but they're just together. Energetically, they are not. Body language shows. And you can always see, also, the body language of people when they're really happy around each other. 
you know, there are people right now who, uh, if you saw them, especially in the midst of this global pandemic where people aren't seeing people like they normally would, if you saw them a block away, you would run half the block and they would run half the block just to run to hug each other. You wouldn't even wait. Because that shows how much it matters to you. But when we bring that same energy to tasks, we bring that same energy to our goals, when we bring that same energy to our dreams, we bring that same that same energy to our businesses, we bring that same energy to our jobs, we bring that same energy to our uh, hobbies even. It shows up differently. It shows up differently. All right, back to the book. It says, uh, the enthusiastic salesman never need worry about unenthusiastic buyers. The enthusiastic teacher ne- need never worry about disinterested students. The activated minister never needs to be distressed by a sleepy congregation. It makes a difference. So he wrote, page 170, enthusiasm makes things 1,100% better. Better. Enthusiasm. Now we teach a new thought that enthusiasm is one of your spiritual gifts. It's one of your faculties. It's the zeal. It's the moving force. It's the driving force. You got to get more enthusiastic about stuff. You know, one of my buddies who's a bricklayer, when we are sometimes in a car together, uh, pre-pandemic, <laughs> when we drove by a building that he helped build, he always let us know. Man, I helped did that. And he would tell us the story about working on it and how long it took and things of that nature because he takes pride in his work. Enthusiasm. I helped build that. I did that. Drive past the airport. We did this whatever. Drive past Soldier Field where the Chicago Bears play. I was a part of renovating that building. Enthusiasm. It makes a difference. It's contagious. All right. Now back to the bottom of the book it wrote, think for a moment, I mean bottom of that page, think for a moment about a club or civic organization that you know is fading away. Chances are all it needs is enthusiasm to bring it back to life. You start looking at businesses and you start seeing people checking out. Go to churches. It's a you know dead churches. One of, uh, I remember being on an interview with a gentleman uh, named uh, New Thought Science of Mind minister named Steve. Was it yeah Steve? And he passed away earlier this year. And on the interview. We were talking, and then after the interview was over, we were still talking. He was just mentioning to me that that year, like 50 New Thought churches closed in California. And I was like, man, that's a lot. But when I looked at the larger numbers, I was seeing that churches are going out of business, like, you know, and starting back almost like two to one going out because it's a hard hustle. If people aren't enthusiastic about the message or the ministry or what's going on or people are just mailing it in, it's very difficult to sustain sustain an organization, whether it's your business or some non-for-profit or a church or a civic organization. It doesn't make a difference. The energy involved 
matters. The energy involved matters. All right. So I love how he says results come in uh, proportion to the enthusiasm applied. Now, I'm not saying enthusiasm is the only thing. You've got to have strategy, planning, goal setting, you know, measurables. I'm, all of those, those things matter. But they don't matter if you're not enthusiastic about what you're doing. Getting fired up about the new possibilities. All of those things matter. And you can just tell when people just walk into a dead dead energy. And, and I'm just going to say it and, uh, what, without qualification, without trying to dance around it. Some people have no business being a part of organizations that deal with people. You know, customer service type jobs and you, you know, I don't care what the job is. It could be the fast food drive through. It could be the counter at the uh, at the store at the mall. It could be on the phone answering calls. Some people in their current state of consciousness have no business dealing with people. They don't have the right attitude for it. They don't have the right disposition for it. They don't have the right mindset for it because that type of mindset turns customers off and it corrupts the rest of your employees. Some people ain't got no business being in front of people. There's no other way for me to say it. Now, you know, as a New Thought minister, I believe that there's something radically right about every human being. I believe that the I am or the Christ or the spirit of truth or God is within every individual. I believe that all people are made in the image and likeness of God. And that doesn't mean everybody is aware of it. doesn't mean that everybody functions from that perspective. And it does not mean that everybody should represent a company. You know, sometimes right off the bat, you can just tell, like, okay, what type of people are they hiring here? And one bad employee can make a person never go back to a business, and the owner never knew the situation happened. And I, you know, I let people know when I get bad service. I'll email the company. I'll speak to the manager, not in a disrespectful way, but if I feel as though it's gotten out of hand I'm like oh okay I need to address this because here's the thing some people don't have any business and then they wonder why they can't get ahead their attitude is showing it's leaking so I'm looking at the clock and it looks like it's about time for me to take the break so um yeah there goes the music so we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before we get back to the book, let me give my quick commercial. You can join Christ Universal Temple every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Central Time for our online service on Facebook, the Christ Universal Temple page, Facebook page, our YouTube page, which is CU Temple, or on our website, which is www.cutemple.org. You want to make sure you join us. If you didn't get a chance to uh, watch my sermon from last Sunday, Strength for Such a Time as This, you can go onto the CU Temple YouTube page or find it on the Facebook page. Please check it out. Uh, It was some good work. Also, we do a Facebook or we teach a Facebook Live noonday daily inspiration lesson at 12 p.m. Monday through Friday based upon the Daily Inspiration for Better Living periodical, 12 p.m. Central Time, Facebook Live on Christ Universal Temple's Facebook page. I want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell on and I will, if you're on Facebook, I would like you to go onto the page, like the page, write a positive review, and give it a five-star rating. It helps with the algorithms. If you listen to this show on a app like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, my request is yet again, you give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. It helps us get the information out to people. That's what counts. It helps get the information out to people. If it's helping you, it can bless somebody else. Help me get the information out to other people. All right. So let's get back to it. All right. So he gives us some steps about how we can work on developing the power of enthusiasm. Number one, dig into it deeper i love this dig into this dig into it deeper all right so basically he says this to get enthusiastic learn more about the thing you're not enthusiastic about you might be surprised as you drill down on it as you do some you know do some have some experiences with it you might discover that you really like it you know for instance a few about three or four years ago now i went zip lining and i never zip lined before was that 2015 that might have been five years ago now four or five years ago so i'm in jamaica at a panorama of truth and i was looking for something to do and i said okay what could i do so a friend of mine uh who was also at, from the church, we were like, hey, we should go zip lining. And we went up into the hills, small mountains of Jamaica, and zip lined over the forest, like literally over the trees and things of that nature. I had no idea that I would enjoy it so much. I never went to Jamaica thinking, oh, yeah, I would love to zip line. Not little zip lines from one post to another like we do in the United States or from you know, in the forest where everything is safe. We're literally going from tree to tree, over trees, through the forest. It was quite amazing. And it was like maybe 12 stops 
we had to do. Quite amazing. Now, because I drilled down on it more, now I realize, okay, if I go back to that same area in Jamaica, I'm going ziplining again without a shadow of a doubt. I just had to drill down on it. And there have been other things that I was like, oh, I mean, I may not like this, but once I, I just engaged with it, I said, oh, okay, this isn't bad. And the more I started to to get involved, the more I got connected. Have you ever watched a TV show and you're like, oh, let me just check this show out and see if I like it or not. And then you got so caught in to the show that you became an enthusiast, a zealot for the show, so much so that you never missed the episode and the characters almost became like family. You know, I can remember, you know, my, my grandmother and grandfather loved uh, like Clint Eastwood Westerns and things of that nature. She would get involved with those shows and the Rifleman and all these other shows that were part of the 50s uh, when the TV first blew up. And Bonanza, that was the show. Oh, my God. You couldn't tell my grandparents nothing about Bonanza. It, But th- it was a part of the show. But I can remember specifically when you get involved with a thing, how it can pull you in. But sometimes you first, you got to give it a shot. I'm not saying you need to give everything a shot, but part of life is experiencing things and saying, okay, I'm not that enthusiastic about this. Let me see if I can learn a little bit more about it. And maybe I might really like it if I drill down on into it and learn a little bit more about it. All right. So he gives some great examples about how you can do that. I'm not going to deal with the examples for time purposes. So, But on page 172, he used, used the dig in deeper technique to develop enthusiasm towards other people. In other words, if you start asking questions and talking to people, you'll discover that people have more depth than sometimes we realize. Even when we have disagreements about how things should be done, whether that's politics or social issues or whatever, but stop and talk to people. And next thing you know, in the midst of communication, maybe you can learn something from each other. Become enthusiastic about and invested in people. Okay, what, what's, what's making you tick? What's making you work? All right. Then it talks about uh, page 173 being enthusiastic about new locations. Some people have to move for various reasons. And he wrote, there's one way to build enthusiasm toward a new location. Simply resolve to dig into the new community. Go to the local places to eat. Go to the museums, if it's museums in the area. Go to uh, other places where you can experience the community, zoos, parks, whatever. One of the things about Chicago that's interesting is we have some of the best restaurants. We have, you know, some of the best museums in the whole world. You know, the, you know, the, the you know Museum of Science and Industry, the Adler Planetarium. We have the. Uh, you know, arts museums, I can't remember exactly. We have, I mean, some of the best stuff in the world. We have this magnificent lake with, you know, Lincoln Park Zoo and all these type of things right off of the, you know, you know, Navy Pier, magnificent downtown. And some people never experience Chicago. They work, they go home. They stay in their bubble. And, and, it's so much more to experience. Places where you can go and listen to music. But people don't take advantage of it. 
these are things that you have to do. So if you're in a community, whether you were born into a community or you move to a community, find out what's happening and what vibes with your soul and go enjoy life. You know, as Eric Butterworth wrote in a small little book, but it's powerful, it was titled Life is for Living. Sometimes we're existing. We're not really living life to its fullness to where we're excited about anything anymore. We're just going through the repetition. We're just recycling the same stuff. But you have to have some excitement in life. You have to have some things that fire you up, that get you excited, to do different things. You know, uh, you know, I used to, you know, uh, tease some people I knew, uh, ladies, when when the concerts would show up and they would get all dressed up. I'm like, why are you getting dressed up just to go to a concert to hear whoever the singer was? But I realize now that that's just that's part of just being fired up. Like, man, I'm excited. And not only do I want to hear some good music, I want to look good doing it. It's all about the enthusiasm. It's all about the energy. It makes a difference. Don't be so reserved and nonchalant that nothing moves you, nothing excites you, nothing gets you fired up, nothing gets you know gets you going. What? How is that? The, you know, you know. I I don't understand the pessimistic mindset. That says you can't get fired up about things. If you can go to a sports event and shout and scream and and have agony, or even in front of the TV, like what these Chicago Bears are doing to my friends and I right now with this with this losing again, it makes a difference. Put that same energy into living life. Number two, how do we work with it? Is in everything you do, life it up. Enthusiasm or lack of it shows to in everything you do and say. Life up your handshake. I don't know how many people are going to be handshaking now, but it does make a difference. Let people know, hey, I'm happy to see you. I can remember um, my one of my younger cousins who's you know uh, deceased. Um, you know, I would always say to him since he was a little boy. Uh, now, nah, hey there, give me my hug. Love you, man. You know, he was a teen that he was, a, you know, junior high doing it in front of his friends. Hey, give me my hug. Now, don't walk past me. You're trying to be all hard and cool right through teenage years. And then when he got to his 20s, he would just do it on his own. Hey, cuz, love you, man. Give me a hug. Because I was letting him know in a real way, man, I love you. Stop playing. I ain't trying to front in front of all these folks. We ain't got to play like we're hard. We are, we, you know, we know we're dudes, dudes. We, we don't have to do this. It's okay. Give me my hook. That's a part of the process. That's what I'm talking about. Life it up. It's it, the book talks about life up your smile, smile with your eyes, lift up your thank yous, life up your talk. It makes a difference. You know, he even talks about, and I love this. People go a long way with the fellow who believes what he says. Say it with life. Put vitality into your speaking. Whether you are talking to a garden club, a prospect, or your children, put enthusiasm behind what you say. A sermon delivered enthusiastically may be remembered for months, even years. Life it up. Be sure everything you do and say tells people that fellow or that woman is alive. He means it. 
He's going places. Number three, broadcast good news. We love to share bad news, but it's but let's get in the habit of sharing good news. And you know, one of the things about sharing good news is it can be done without bragging. You know, sometimes people feel as though that you know they have to brag, but some people interpret bragging. It's, uh, Information is bragging when it's just sharing information. When you're not, quote unquote, where you want to be, and somebody starts coming around you telling you how their life is working and how it's humming and and doing what it needs to do, sometimes jealousy can kick in unconsciously. And you say, well, that person's always bragging. No, 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 they're always bragging. What they're saying is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm up to. These are my goals. I This work, this doesn't work. Because people who are about accomplishment they they talk about it they're not always private like okay i can't tell anybody about my stuff now i realize that unfortunately in some communities when you start talking about what what you're accomplishing you will receive some hate you got to rise above that and have conversations with people who understand what you're doing this is one of the reasons big reasons why i love the faith community, church community, especially CUT, because CUT is a goal-driven, goal-achievers type of church. We have a lot of people who are driven to to want to have better, that believe that if God is in the blessing business, that we should be the benefactors of that blessing. And when you're around people of like mind and energy, it shows up. This is why when people show up at the Tony Robbins 12,000 people in a seminar and it's enthusiastic and people are energetic and they're ready to transform their lives. That's why you can feel it. It's different. When you're in, you know, sermons or seminars or conferences where everybody's coming together and like mind, that's why the energy is there. And that's why sometimes it's difficult to maintain it when you leave because you're not at that conference, you're not at that seminar, you're not at that uh, workshop where people are the are together working on what they desire. This is why the systems you put in place when you go back home are extremely important. But life it up. Life it up. And start broadcasting good news. Let people know, okay, it's possible. It's possible that life can be different. And your testimony can be the difference. Well, you you know, you don't have to lower your energy to be around people. And I know that can be challenging, but I'm challenging you to not be your normal. If your normal is shrinking and being resigned and, and pessimistic, and I believe if you're listening to this show, you, that that's not your space. But we all can fall into that space unconsciously depending on where we are and who we are around. Because you can act like a boss around certain people and shrink it around others. All right. Moving on. I love this when it says on page 176. Whenever, whenever you leave a person, ask yourself, does that person honestly feel better because he has talked with me? Again, sometimes when I'm around folks and energetically, I just don't feel as though the conversation is where it needs to be or energetically or 
the whole conversation is about what's wrong or what's wrong with somebody in particular, then I realize that, okay, I need to shift. I'm not saying not deal with facts because facts are necessary, but you can go beyond facts and just get stuck on what somebody did in your neighborhood 25 years ago. And that's the consistent conversation. Now we need to go beyond that. Okay. So it said, page 177, broadcasting good news activates you, makes you feel better. Broadcasting good news makes other people feel better too. Then the grow you are important attitude. Everybody wants to feel important. Everybody. It says on page 177, ponder on that. Everyone, yes, everyone, your neighbor, you, your wife or spouse, your boss has a natural desire to feel he is somebody. The desire to be important is man's strongest, most compelling, non-biological hunger. People want to be seen. You ever heard people say, I just want to be seen. I want to be acknowledged. It matters to me. You know, when, you know, if, and he gets gets some excellent examples about this, um, which I don't have time to get into today to maintain my pace. But you need to stop and read this, all right? So he goes on to say, successful advertisers know that people crave prestige, distinction, recognition. People want to be recognized. You know, know, people who train children, teachers, and psychologists will tell you that a, a child will get attention from negativity if they can't give it get it in a healthy constructive way he goes on to say satisfying the craving the hunger to be important carries you forward to success it is the it is basic equipment in your success tool chest all right then he goes on to say There's a reason why the you are unimportant attitude prevails. Most folks look at another person and think he can't do anything for me. Therefore, he's not important. In other words, we value people sometimes based upon what we think they can do for us instead of their intrinsic value as a human being. All right. So how can we work with this? First, people do more for you when you make them feel important. So if you want more out of people, help them feel important. Help them feel important. I can remember, you know, uh, when I was, you know, teenage, late teens, cashier in the grocery store, and I started discovering that my line was way longer many times than other people's lines. Like, people would wait to go through my line. And I found out later, didn't even realize it, that my first teacher, the Reverend Wilmette Harrell, um, who lived close to the grocery store I was, and close to where I grew up, she said, people will come through your line because you're so nice and personable. And you talk to everybody and you, and you get to know them and their families and whatever. So, you know, when people say, oh, just ring people up and don't talk. I didn't believe in that. I wasn't talking to my employees. I was talking to the customer. Hey, how you doing today? Oh, I see you in today. Oh, what? Oh, you got your kid with you today. Hey, what's your name? And next thing you know, I'm engaging with people, and so they will want to come through my line. 
it was it was it was funny to me but at the same time people pay attention to those things how do you engage with people how do you communicate with people how do you value people so a person would go if, if it's two people in the cashier next to me's line and it's six people in my line they will go, they will wait behind the six people just so they can have a conversation with me make people feel important all right and this works with your staff this works with your family this works with your children this works with your significant others it works it works it works it works if you work it all right and when people feel small help them feel bigger when people feel big help them feel bigger all right when you help other people feel important you help yourself feel important too all right here's another way which we can do that practice appreciation don't let people think they're being taken for granted you know, he gives ex ex excellent examples about this process excellent all right compliment people on the little things you know be mindful now because we're in a culture where you know the wrong thing said could get you sued you know because he said oh you see compliment people's appearance compliment you got to be careful about that stuff now really careful unless you know a person but in a work environment maintain where whatever country you're in make sure you're maintaining the rules of the hr department the city the county the state and the country you're in don't play yourself but be mindful that you know that there are ways to compliment a person's work be very careful i would say now about complimenting a person's appearance because if it's taken the wrong way you could be out of a job anyway number two practice calling people by their names this is something that i really work on because i i see so many people and i forget their names uh, working in ministry, a uh, ministry this large, but I really work on it because it does make a difference that a person knows your name and knows who you are. It goes a long way. All right, number three, don't hog the glory, invest it instead. And he gives a great example about two different type of managers. One manager who took credit for everything in front of the vice president and the other one who gave credit to his team. And it made a big difference because when you take credit from other people, it it doesn't land well. Invest it. Invest it. When as a if you're a boss or supervisor, when you or a coach, when you lose, it's my fault. When we win, it's your it's your is you're the reason why we won. Just in general, all right? Okay. All right. Uh page one eighty five, I love this point. Get your family on your team. Give them planned attention. And he talks about how you map out time to make sure you have time with your family. Don't leave it to happenstance. It might what you do might not work. How what he said might not work for you, but what does work? I remember Jack Canfield writing in his book years ago that his wife would always complain about him not being home for work. So uh, not him. It was a he tells the story of a of a of a business owner or a manager and one of the agreements was he he can work hard he can do whatever but he always had to be home for dinner with his wife and kids no matter what that was an agreement that let his wife and children know but his wife specifically because it was her request that you're valuable enough to plan it and plan your life around making sure that happens. All right. 
Then it's uh, page one eighty six. Want to make money? Then get the get the put service first attitude. All right. So just be mindful that if you want to be successful and you want to make money in your business, you got to put service first. Give more than what you are being asked to do. All right. He says the person who says he wants who says he wants to be poor usually suffers from a guilt complex or a feeling of inadequacy. He's like the youngster who feels he can't make A's in school or make the football team, so he pretends that he doesn't want A's or plays football. That's how we deceive ourselves. He says money then is a desirable object. Don't be funny about money. All right? I'm with Reverend Ike. Uh, the lack of money is the root of all evil. Like, you know, money never money just exposes more of how you get down already. If 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 money cor- corrupts you, you, then you really corrupted money because it's your attitude that determines how the money is utilized. And uh, and he says people with a money first attitude become so money conscious that they f- can forget money can't be harvested unless they plant the seeds that grow money. And the seed of money is service. Remember that the seed of money is service. What you are giving. The seed of money is service. When you take, when you serve me, you give me what I need. Sometimes I don't even know I need it. Then I'll pay you for it. Put service first and money takes care of itself. Always put service first. All right. And he gives examples about people who want, you know, want raises without performance and all type of stuff. It's, it's, it's this this chapter is fantastic. However, I'm going to stop here because I've run out of time. So next week I'm going to cover think right toward people. Think right toward people. We're going to drill down on this material again. Read the chapter, get the information that you need to get. Hopefully you'll be joining us on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for the Christ Universal Temple online service. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.